0: So, welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kasesinov. My guest this week is Zoe Bertali, and she's a yoga teacher and co-founder of The Refinery in London. She used to be a sales director for a marketing agency, but always knew that she wanted to get out of the corporate environment and away from the nine to five. Zoe has been practicing yoga for 18 years and started teaching it about five years ago while still in full-time employment. She's always been passionate about the benefits of yoga and a healthy lifestyle. Welcome Zoe, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi Tatiana, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's wonderful. So the topic of yoga is a huge topic. Mm. Everybody, I mean, like 10 years ago, it was only sort of people who went off for weird stints in India, practicing (laughs) yoga, and now everybody's doing it. So first and foremost, before we get into the nuts and bolts, why do you think that is? Why do you think this has become such a phenomenon? I think um
1: it's become obviously in this day and age with the wonderful social media which we didn't have back when I was practicing yoga when I first began I think this makes anything that is potentially good or a trend grow very quickly so I think that's what has probably helped it a little bit in its growth but I also think people are just starting to get its benefits whereas I think before it was crowded in a little bit of mysticism and you know people didn't necessarily get it and know what it was and thought that it was potentially quite uh quiet practice which for some people it still is but I think people are starting to recognize that it can still be a very strong physical practice and you still get this buzz afterwards this mental side of it so we find in our studio a lot of people come to it for the very physical side of it and then after a few months of practicing start to realize that there's a little bit more to it and just it keeps them I suppose there's so much to it there's so many different styles it keeps people very interested I think that's also something i think people are getting onto now and it is more accessible than it's ever been when i first started practicing yoga there weren't many places to do it and you'd find it maybe in a community center or uh you know a studio that wasn't super accessible for anybody you had to have a good practice to go there so i think that's also what's helped is the accessibility
0: and the different teachers now that are involved Right, absolutely. Um, as you said, it's it's pretty much on on every street corner. So let's let's go back a bit. So, what actually is yoga? Where did it come from? The history of it. So, yoga
1: originated in India. They're not sure exactly what date, but there's kind of things to sort of help us believe that it was around five thousand years ago that we can start to see carvings of people seated in meditation and and in what we would think of as yoga poses these days. So. Um, about 5,000 uh, years ago. It started uh, through spoken words. So it was very much, um, they're called Vedas and Upanishads. And these were effectively like mantras and spoken words that were passed down from student to student. And these kind of evolved into more of a um, religion, if you want. This is where the origins of Hinduism came from. And yoga is not per se a religion, but it has its roots very firmly in a lot of Hindu philosophy. So when you start to see it then branch off into what we know yoga more of as today it was when Patanjali who we're not sure if it was one person or a group of people of scholars that wrote what we know as the eight limbs so it's the sutras um the threads of yoga um that then developed into these eight limbs and it was very much a the eight limbs are kind of if you want a code of conduct of behavior of how to be in the world how to act and then how to grow and how to study to essentially reach this transcendence from the physical body and yoga asana as we know it today the physical practice was only one of these eight limbs so this went back many many years and then of course through very only the last hundred, hundred and fifty years have we seen what we know now as modern yoga so ashtanga vinyasa where we're linking breath with movement or kundalini kundalini is a little bit older but um uh, certainly Ashtanga Vinyasa, forest yoga, um, power yoga, are all very modern takes on this asana practice. And then there's the philosophy be- behind it through the sutras, Patanjali.
0: That's, um, one of the places I wanted to go next because, I mean, mm. as, as somebody who, who would be a newcomer to yoga, how on earth could they? Delineate between all these different types, so yeah, maybe just briefly go through the main types. And it, it can be really, yeah, it can be very confusing and certainly quite
1: off putting, I think, sometimes. And that's potentially why we didn't see it being so popular for a long time because I think people did think, Oh, I don't, I don't know what it is, I have no idea, I don't know what I'm going to, and it felt a bit probably. Um, oh, I don't know. It it was an in thing. It was a group. If you knew the group, then brilliant, you went to it. But I think now what's happening is that it is becoming more accessible and people are more curious about it. And I think the more curious people are, and because we do have this medium of social media now, we can tell people a little bit more about each discipline. Ashtanga yoga is a set practice. So it's done in a certain way, and you're not to move on. So there's a primary series, there's a second series, there's a third series, and it's very much about progression. So you do the same sequence every time, and when you've done this sequence for a certain period of time, then you're deemed you're able enough then to move on to the next series. So it's quite prescriptive. It's not for everybody. It's very strong practice. Um, and then what you get developing out of a Shtanga is a Shtanga Vinyasa. And Vinyasa flow is what I would say is extremely popular in London now and probably in, in the country because it's a little bit more, it's less prescriptive, it's more creative, and it's about linking breath with movement. And this is where people will come away feeling great and not necessarily know why just because they've moved and had a great time. But by linking the breath and the movement, you're almost getting this moving meditation which is ultimately the kind of point of the yoga is to have this point of focus in your mind where everything drops away and you stop the chatter. And it's very hard to sit still in meditation for a lot of people. So this way, when we're moving through a meditation, you're focusing on the pose and what you're doing and how you're moving. You then start to create this space between the thoughts. So I would say vinyasa is is certainly our studio is very popular. um, And it seems to be in in the world uh, coming along quite a lot more. Hatha yoga, as we hear it, it's become a class, but Hatha yoga is actually the term from back in Patanjali's day for any physical yoga, so movement. It was the movement of yoga because some of the other yoga is, yoga means to unite, to connect. So it doesn't necessarily mean to throw all these shapes and these poses. And that's where, as I say, the Western take on it has been very much about the physical practice, but often it could be sitting in meditation and just working through chakras could be a part of a yoga. So Hatha was always termed physical, any physical practice of yoga. But what you find now is that there's classes that are called Hatha yoga. They might be very different. They tend to be seen as a little bit more gentle. Um, although we teach Hatha, we have a guy who teaches Hatha at our place, and it's quite a strong practice. So, it It really depends, but it's effectively any physical practice is hatha. You then have a yin practice, which is again a relatively modern style and take on yoga, where it's uh, you might hold a pose for five minutes and it's very much about working through the connective tissue as well as the muscles. So you'd be supported, it's all seated, so it's uh, you'd be on the floor, that you would be propped up with bolsters, with uh, blocks, straps to enable you to hold the pose for longer, to work through not just, as I say, the muscles and the connective tissue, but maybe into getting some space in the joints as well. So this is becoming a very popular style of yoga. Forest yoga. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> Forest yoga is was developed by Anna Forrest, and she has takes on Indian philosophy, but also she weaves in some South American um, culture into it, Indian culture, where it's quite ceremonial in what she does, and it's very much about healing and healing the person through this this bodywork as well as physical uh, yoga poses, the way you breathe. It's a very strong practice. You might hold a pose for maybe 20 breaths, which in an ordinary vinyasa or a shtanga class, you would hold a pose for five breaths. So it's quite different um but she's again yeah she's kind of moving away from the indian lineage a little bit you have Ayenga yoga which is used um with props so you use an awful lot of props like straps on the wall to aid you within the pose to get you a little bit deeper into it so but yeah there's lots of different styles these
0: days What about Kundalini yoga? Because you have. So Kundalini
1: goes back, is, is probably the yoga that goes back the furthest from a physical practice, um, in history. And that is very much about working with the energetic body. So not just the physical body. We're said to have five different layers in our body. And the physical body is just one of them that needs fed with food and water to survive. Then we have our energetic body, which is the prana body, which we need to draw the prana, the life force into the body. And, this travels, the prana travels through nadis, which are energy pathways uh, or meridians like you would have in qi in Chinese medicine. And the nadis, there's said to be 72,000 of them. So we're very intricate and they can be really tiny. So think of them like rivers and streams and they can get blocked very easily with our energy. We swallow feelings, we swallow our words, we bury emotions. We're said to do all these things and they stay in the body sometimes. So kundalini yoga is very much about shifting the energy through these pathways to then clear the chakras. So the seven chakras along the the main spinal column, Um, they're the kind of roundabouts, if you want the meeting points for all these nadis and these rivers to come and converge. And if they get blocked with these main roundabouts, then it can be very difficult to shift the rest of the energy up the body. So Kundalini is all about trying to rise the energy up through every chakra. So they need to all be clear and working to then have the enlightenment or samadhi as it's called when you clear the, the crown chakra and uh yeah then then the world is is all yours you you kind of transcend if you want to through to everything so people spend a lifetime doing it but the practice is very different so it can be um, a lot of pranayama with breath work it can be breath work in a very strong pose it's different every time the class is completely different and the teacher will work with a chakra or they might work with a mantra it's, it's very yeah it's very strong practice it's not not everybody likes it because it isn't so, um, it doesn't necessarily flow all the time because they might be working with the root chakra one week. And so it's all a very grounding practice and all very much about breath work through the root chakra rather than flowing through lots of poses. So it's, yes, yeah, it's very, very different practice. I enjoy it, but it's very, yeah, it's very different.
0: So, what, what, in your opinion, would be a good place to start for somebody who is a complete beginner?
1: I think we're a complete beginner. You need to find somewhere that you um no you can be uh accepted and be and of course everybody will say that they are, they are accepting but I, you can't go more than on a recommendation from a friend because they understand you and know what you're like so therefore they will know what suits you from a class perspective or a teacher perspective because this is very difficult it's like trying to find a hairdresser for the first time <laughs> how do you know they're going to get your style and understand you from one meeting so I'd always go on the recommendation of a friend if you can. And if you can't, then maybe try doing something at home first so you build a little bit of confidence because like going anywhere for the first time, into a fitness class, into a yoga class, it can be intimidating because you don't know what to expect. And that's why I would say I would always go on a recommendation. But if not, then doing something at home, there's amazing YouTube tutorials or DVDs. You could just practice from a book sometimes. I mean, this is how I learned. I learned um, at home to begin because there were no classes close to me at the time. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I loved it. And I used to just get on my mat for 10, 15 minutes. I never did a long practice, but just doing it quite regularly, it already builds the benefits because you start building muscle memory very quickly. Your Your flexibility increases more quickly than if you did just one hour a week, I would say. But there's so many things, again, back to the online thing, where you can get recommendations, you can, you can read reviews these days, everybody gets reviews, so you can hopefully find the teacher for you. I would definitely look for a back-to-basics class or a foundation course, something where you could be nurtured and shown the right way, the correct way from the beginning.
0: Right. A lot of people, I get the feeling, um, you you sort of alluded a little bit to this right at the very beginning, but a, a lot of people, I get the feeling, actually start yoga simply because they're looking for something which is just a physical exercise. Everybody knows we've all got mm-hmm. bad conscience about not doing enough exercise and want to get fit. And so it's trend. They choose yoga. Mm-hmm. How important is the spiritual component for you in order that somebody actually gets the most out out of a yoga practice because I mean I'm sure you can actually just practice it as a purely physical exercise mm-hmm. but what what are your feelings on that
1: so I think it's um it's really personal, and I think some people come to it not expecting to get that from it. And I think I probably didn't expect to get that from it when I first started practicing. I I started practicing yoga because I was having panic attacks and I didn't know why this practice was making me feel better because I wasn't aware of the breath that I was doing and how I didn't breathe properly in my regular life because most of us don't. We breathe at our chest. We don't take these deep inhales and exhales and so we don't clear enough Toxins from the body. So, I suppose I came at it initially from a very physical perspective and grew into it and recognized things that I wasn't expecting to get from it. So, I think it's also very difficult to get that across in in an hour's class. So, if you're going to a studio and you're not going regularly to the same teacher, you may not get that spiritual side from it so much. You may feel better. And you may have, if you're offered the tidbits through the class or in Shavasana or somewhere where you're kind of offered the way to start trying to experience the more spiritual side, then absolutely, you, you, but you've got to be open to it, I think. And, and I, I believe that some people, they come to it for that, entirely for that, and they are already open to those kind of experiences. And other people, I think it happens to them on the journey and they just kind of, they don't know why it's making them feel better, but they stick to it and they want to come back and their curiosity's aroused and they start to notice differences in themselves. And when the body and the mind start to slow down a little bit and get the body gets stronger and the mind slows, then you can have that space to be open to it.
0: Right, which of course leads into my next question perfectly, which is, do you have to be young, fit, flexible, <laughs> healthy, or can anyone Absolutely start yelling Absolutely not, no. I, I feel
1: so strongly about that. I really do. And I think this is where sometimes I get a bit annoyed with social media because that is a lot of the time what is being posted about yoga. It's people in handstands. It's young people, amazing bodies, and they're fantastic outfits, and it's not representative at all. Of course, you can potentially build up to do any of it. Anna Forrester, who I mentioned before, is in her late 60s and is amazing at handstands, and she's a badass. She's fantastic, but that's not to say that that's what it's about. So, no, I get I get quite frustrated with it, <laughs> and it is absolutely for everybody, and I, I get people coming to me. I get guys who say, I can't touch my toes. I can't come to class, and it's kind of, well, bend your knees, and you will definitely get closer, and you you work to it like flexibility is like strength and you would never expect having never picked up a weight in your life before to be able to pick up 20 kilos of weight and lift it above your head so you can't expect to do things that maybe you have spent a lifetime being a runner or sitting at a desk or a driver and you are tight you can't expect to come into class and do things like you would fold over your legs with straight legs equally you might never do that because of the way your bones are fused but it doesn't mean that you're not doing it properly and it doesn't mean that you can't progress from where you were to where you've become. But as I said before, it takes regular practice like strength does. You can't do 10 push-ups a week and expect to be really strong. Equally, it's better than doing nothing. So I, I think, no, I'm, I'm really passionate about that. I think anybody can do it anytime.
0: Well, that's good news. (laughs) I was thinking about myself this morning as I got out of bed and noticed something creaking and thinking. (laughs) The
1: creak, the creak. Nobody helps the creaks, you see. That's why sometimes people feel so immobile. And I see them, they come to class sometimes and they feel so immobile and they're tight. And you can almost sense their their cross. And some of it is a physical. manifestation that the, you know, the hips are tight because I've been running or I've been cycling. But then sometimes it is an emotional thing that is causing this tightness. I can't breathe when I'm stressed. This is my thing. Some people get anxiety. They get butterflies. Some people get really tight shoulders. Some people, their hips go. But you see it when you teach them to breathe and you teach them to be. And you teach them to soften into stuff. So that's real cue for me. I always make people think, where are you gripping? Because often you'll come in and you'll go, oh, no, this is my worst bit. I hate forward folds or I hate twists or whatever it is that you've got in your mind. And it's about allowing yourself to be in that posture, working through the breath, softening into it is when a release will happen. Not an injury, a release. And, and that's where you see people, they leave class, they came really tight. They came a bit, sort of, like you say, croaky, and, and uh, they come and they leave, and they, they're, they're just, it's like there's a relief. A bit, there's just something a bit lighter
0: about them. Great. Of course, trying to fit something like a yoga class into a regular, busy mm-hmm. lifestyle usually means trying to shove it in in a lunch hour or, or more likely in the evening. Mm-hmm. But is there actually an optimal time for yoga? I mean, with meditation, for example, I definitely see... huge difference between meditating first thing in the morning or last thing Mm. at night is it the same with a yoga practice for me
1: personally yes but i've always practiced yoga in the morning so i i have two not so young children anymore but they they were they were young when i was practicing first started practicing yoga and i was working and coming home late cooking dinner herring around so it was my time to carve out for myself so i would get up 20 minutes earlier because that snoozing never made me feel better, but the doing 20 minutes of yoga always made me feel better. So I just really committed to it in my head and did, as I say, some days I would do 10 minutes, some days I'd do 20 minutes, some days I'd do five minutes, but I always did it first thing. So for me personally, yes, however, I know lots of people that just can't do that and they don't necessarily need to. They have different lifestyles that can be adaptable and don't need to kind of have done it first thing. And they do it in the evening and they really like it in the evening. And a restorative practice at night can help you sleep really, really well. So I think there's, there's a way to do both. I wouldn't recommend a really big power session late at night because obviously you're energizing the body and you might not sleep as well. Um, if you were gonna do more power stuff, I'd say do that in the morning or early evening or lunchtime. But restorative yoga or just a really chilled flow before you go to bed can be a nice way to just to uh,
0: drop down into a really good sleep. Right. And you you mentioned earlier on that's that's quite important that if you attend a weekly class, doing mm. five or ten minutes every day is is certainly kind of crucial to to progress and helping you get the most out of it. I think so. I mean, as I say, I would I would say
1: better doing once a week than never of course because i know the benefits and i really appreciate the benefits in my body and my mind so that's why it's like i'm not here to push anything on anybody but it's more about i just really believe in the power of it but from a if you're wanting to if you're finding yourself frustrated in that once a week class because you don't feel like you're building the flexibility quickly enough then you could try 5 minutes a day and then you're 1 hour a week and you will notice a difference for sure
0: brilliant So what kind of things do you, what sort of impact do you see yoga making on your clients? And you've described a little bit about your own um, experiences Mm. with it, but but what other things do you find that people not only have mental resilience and can cope better mentally, but also physically? Do you see physical symptoms start to dissipate? Yeah, particularly back
1: problems. So a lot of people present with lower back problems or they've got really tight hips. And sometimes the back can be a postural thing rather than something they've done, or it can be because they're sitting at desks for hours a day and they're slumped over, and you know you're not you're not aware of your posture when you're typing away on a keyboard furiously for hours. So we we see a lot of people presenting with that, and a lot of people eventually coming away saying, "I've, I've never had such a strong core. I feel taller. I'm, I'm, they feel yeah, just better. They don't have as much lower back pain because often it's from the core as well. So they're not sitting properly, but they're equally not walking around properly because they haven't got the core strength. And a lot of yoga is about the core strength. Um, so, yeah, we see a lot of that. We get a lot of, um, because we're in Hackney, so we get a lot of cyclists. So we see people presenting with really tight hamstrings and also shoulders because so many people are on their phones and computers these days. that The head is, I can't remember how many pounds it is, but it's heavy. <laughs> Your head is heavy, and so many people are now looking down for so much of it of their day they're not aware of this weight bearing down on their spine so it's affecting necks shoulders upper backs so that really does make a difference and and clients will tell us that that they really do feel the difference when when they've done yoga and when they haven't they feel like they go creaky again (laughs) Like, like you say back to the creakiness mentally for sure i i i have a lot of people we've got quite a lot of um our demographic is probably average 28 to about Forty, um, lots of females, and they are therefore a lot of them trying to get pregnant, and they're working so hard, and everybody's got this kind of. I think the, the world in itself has just become more stressful and fast, and the amount of information that we have to process on a daily basis, and they don't know how to carve out the time. It's hard to say, right? I'm putting my phone down now, and I'm not, I'm not going to look at it, and I'm not going to answer it. So by coming to class, they're just having that hour. To themselves, just to breathe and to move, they see such a big difference. And I, I know when they haven't been for a while, you'll see them. <laughs> they, they come in and they, oh, they're almost like got this dark cloud over their head. And then they do an hour's yoga and they leave and they're just, they're just lighter. So for sure it,
0: it has amazing mental benefits. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned yourself that you started it because of panic attacks. Yeah, yeah. It obviously has really far-reaching consequences for good. Mm,
1: Yeah, and and I couldn't. I was I was getting, um, and I'd never. I was somebody. I've I've always been a really relatively chilled person. So this this was kind of strange to me. This idea that I was doing this to myself. These panic attacks from nowhere. They would come out of nowhere, and often it was because I hadn't been breathing properly, and I just didn't know it. So learning the breathing techniques in a yoga practice. Not, as I say, I can't sit still. I find it very difficult. So the moving part was fantastic for me, this idea that you moved with breath, so it became a moving meditation. And for things like sun salutes, which are quite repetitive, but it's amazing how quickly you can get into something. When you know where you're going, you do just switch off, and then it becomes about what you're doing in the pose and what your breath feels like in the body that particular day. And every day is different, recognizing that, that, you're evolving and you're changing and your fluid is magical in some ways. And just to be with yourself and your magical body rather than going through mo- motion, which I used to do in fitness classes, I would just go through the motion fitness classes. Go, oh my God, I've got to do I've got to. <laughs> I must do this because it's going to have some end result. And the end result was often, yeah, I would feel better for sure, but it was never quite the same as, as, as the yoga. And I think there's so much to it. There's so much more to it. As I said before, you, you do start maybe becoming open to some of the spirituality or you're just really intrigued by the the depth of it you know there's so much to it all these branches of yoga and how it became and the some of the um philosophy is really interesting and and if you're into it that can really raise your curiosity but even if it's just the physical practice it's still amazing
0: brilliant now I want to go back to you a little bit. So mm. you're working, um, you've been doing yoga for so many years and then you're yeah. teaching. What what led you to found the refinery? And it, the refinery has a very, very unique kind of business model, um, which really appeals to me. Um, so why do you <laughs> think
1: about that? Well, so I think when, when it's myself and my husband have set it up and we... Uh, you know, I, I, as yoga kind of started to grow in popularity, I started to go to more studios, whereas I'd done it a lot at home before. And more often than not, I would go to a studio and I would feel, even with a regular yoga practice, would feel quite intimidated by the environment. And it was either very cliquey or you had to have a certain level of practice. You maybe weren't welcomed. And all of this was just going in my mind, going, oh my God, this is not how I would do it. I would do it differently. And we kind of decided that both of us hit this sort of Crossroads, if you want in our career where it was very much if we don't try it now we know we can always go back to this career we've been doing it for 20 years but if we don't try this now we'll never know and we kind of both my my, my husband is a clinical hypnotherapist so he was very much about (laughs) that brilliant and so he wanted to very much we we thought that there was this this link because hypnotherapy is, is in some ways about going into a bit of a meditation and going deeper and how do you help people do this and in a really safe environment. So we were lucky enough to find the space which is very close to where we live in Hackney and we are extremely lucky with the community that we have in Hackney. We've lived here for a long time, so we just kind of felt that all the stars were aligning and that we had to just go for it, just take the punt and go for it. And it was hairy. (laughs) It was very hairy, you know, going into it and leaving the the paid job and what we're going to do. But it's, um, no, we've not, we've not looked back. It's, it's really, really been amazing and really been a journey. And and as I say, we couldn't do it without our clients. Our clients have been so supportive and they really get us. We wanted to build a, a community within itself that, was safe and you could come and it is for anybody. I remember we'd been open for about six months and and a lady came down and she said, "Am I too old to come come here?" And it nearly made me cry because I just thought, "How awful that she's even remotely having to say that." And no, you do not have to be a certain age to come here. It's eclectic and that's very much what we wanted to get across in our branding. We're both. 70s kids and so we loved the style of this photographer that did it for us and we just kind of felt that this was going to hopefully represent the idea that you could be in any shape whatsoever to still come and find space in your mind and heal yourself now healing yourself could be from something that you've had a trauma or it can just be by chilling out and giving yourself some headspace so that was very much the ethos um and i feel like we've carried it off because as i say we have such an eclectic group of clients and they're really supportive they they they've almost built their own friendship groups and community within the people that they've met at the refinery so yeah it's been it's been amazing it's been fantastic
0: right and you don't just offer yoga i mean you you no. offer kind of like a uh, like a it's like a little center for wellness and well-being so yeah. tell us a little bit more about that so I think because obviously yoga is my thing. I was
1: a yoga teacher. It was always the my chosen um, physical movement. You know, I wasn't such a fitness body. I used to do it and I didn't enjoy it. But equally, I, I recognize that people really enjoy it. And actually, it can be very complementary to a yoga practice and it can be very complementary to a fitness practice, both of them. So we... You could if you're going for the power yoga and you can do a hit class at the same time, well not at the same time, obviously <laughs> that would be impossible, but you could do HIT training at the same time as your power yoga, that's gonna help build your body to then if you want to do the inversions or the stronger yoga poses, the arm balances, then you've got the ability to work on that in a HIT class as well as then coming back to the power yoga. Or if you want to do the HIT class and then go into a really restorative. So we do a hip and hamstring class where it's built for runners, or it's built for people that do do power, power, power cardio blast. Come and stretch it out. Come and really have the complement to that training that you do. So it was yeah, very much about that. And then we we um, met a really amazing teacher for bar, who I again I'd never done bar before, but she we did a little trial and she just convinced me again. This is this is an amazing practice because it's very strong and strong and targeted in ways that I didn't know I had muscles there. <laughs> you, could, you could, but it just, all it does is, is strengthening the body, which helps to then, of course, strengthen the mind. We have two therapy rooms. So we do a whole host of therapies. We can physiotherapy, massage. We do um, alternative therapies like sound healing, Reiki, um, facial. So again, just really, really wanted to build somewhere that you could come and do the whole thing just to treat yourself and um, yeah, get yourself in in the best shape, but mentally as
0: well. That's wonderful. And the the community—do you have like um, Facebook group for your communities? Do they do they all come together, or is it only is it sort of just is it a virtual community or a, a real community essentially? Is what I'm asking. You
1: know, I I um I'd say we have a little virtual community, but mostly it's no, it's physical. We're um, how refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> again I'm still like this is where I'm old school I kind of do I find the whole um social media thing can be quite um I don't know I think it's it's amazing in some ways because it is putting it out there and it is introducing lots more people to a discipline as I say I believe in and I believe in its powers I just I just hope that sometimes it's in the right way and that's where I think sometimes it can be a bit dangerous the whole social community but yeah no it's it's a very physical community we have
0: well oh, that's great that's wonderful and um how many um members of staff do you have now so how many different teachers so have you got quite we a- have on a
1: rotor. so we obviously have cover we have i think we're at 64 something something wow. like that so we have over 100 classes a week and um Yeah, varying from music, meditation, and mantra, which is led by the lovely Antama, who will either maybe play the drums to you or rap to you, sing the guitar one week. He's amazing. And then through to hardcore fitness or yin yoga, restorative. We have lots of lovely flows. We do kundalini. We have a shtanga. We have forest. We have, yeah, all sorts of different yogas. And then we do uh, the bar classes, which there's hit the bar, which is... (laughs) Obviously people do hit the bar afterwards, but <laughs> it's more <laughs> about cardio blasts and then the toning at the bar. So we, we, we don't take ourselves very seriously because I think it's an environment that can be taken extremely seriously. But equally, it's not that we're not taking what we do very seriously. So our trainers and our instructors are amazing and they're all super qualified and the right people for the job. But the ethos is very much about. Like making it lighter having fun enjoying yourself exercise doesn't need to be so brutal all the time you know it's about as i say introducing people to each other making a community so that you want to come to either work out or to rest whatever it is that you want to do and and whatever you're carrying that day as well being
0: able to carry it and just come in and be wonderful is there any opportunities for like personal training with you as well Yeah, yeah. so
1: we do we have um a number of trainers on site who will do personal training people want to we'll do group training
0: if people want to set that up so yeah that's that's something we do quite often great and what about going into companies and things like that do you um do you offer so anything?
1: we don't know we don't do that so much our, our individual teachers some of them might do corporates but we we haven't done so much of that um i think it's it's a tricky one because a lot of corporate companies now will either have their own on-site staff, or we work with a company called GymPass, who they go around big corporate companies and work with HR people to then subsidise fitness, and they will then be able to buy a pass, which will include places like the refinery or other studios that they can go to. So it's all being done in a kind of different way. But at the moment, we don't we don't do anything like that. We have hosted companies at our place. So we had a couple of groups come down to us once actually, where there was a team of architects once who had a really stressful project been working on for ages. It was coming to fruition. They were presenting it the day after, and they asked us if we could put on a a really lovely yoga nidra, which is um, a nice way of... Just calming everything down and we did a slow flow for them and we gave them some lunch and we brought them some energy balls and so they just had a kind of little treat for themselves before they went off to do their, uh, their big presentation. So we've, we've done a few occasions like that but no not not going
0: into companies as such. What a brilliant idea. I think <laughs> <everybody laughs> it's really looking after your staff, absolutely. It was it was lovely actually because a lot of them had
1: never done yoga before. You could see they were a bit intimidated to come into like oh my god I don't know what I'm going to do and what's expected of me and we just moved them really slowly and then brought them down put them under a blanket and gave them a really lovely guided nidra so it was yeah no, it was a nice thing to do. Great.
0: Well, thank you so much, Zoe. You've um, really told me so much about yoga that I didn't know before. <laughs> I hope you've also whetted lots of other people's appetites so that they will start. And uh, <laughs> let me those in London come to you because I think it's, it's great what you're doing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm such a lover of of mixing and matching because i think that no no one thing is right there's no one size fits all and exactly yeah. access to so many different types of yoga different types of exercise also different types of complementary therapy i think is is a place where i can certainly see somebody feeling very very comfortable and and well looked after oh thank you <laughs> yes and I, I i love the concept i think it's brilliant um I have three little questions that I always yes. ask everybody at the uh, at the end of the interview, and in fact, I'm going to extend that to four questions. So, oh gosh! <laughs> um, I'll, I'll put the fourth one first, if you see what I mean, which is: if there okay. was one thing that you could change, that you could get other people to change in their own lives, hmm. in order to make massive improvement in their lives, what would that one thing be? Oh gosh, one thing. I think not. Um,
1: not t- taking on so much of the new information that is out there, not this this um self-destruct the cycle that we can all spiral into of bullshit essentially, of the not good enoughness, <laughs> which is very easy to get caught up in. I don't know anybody that doesn't, but I, I think it would be to to not allow yourself to to do that and just know that often the people that are making out that their lives are absolutely insanely amazing are probably the opposite. And to not allow yourself to, to go down there with that thinking, that's probably what I'd like to change in people,
0: not take very, things. Very wise advice. Yeah. <laughs> we talk a lot here about mind, body, spirit, and I like mm. to encapsulate that in, in three sort of words and, and deeds. Um, health happiness and serenity. So first of all, how do you define health? What does that actually mean to you? I think
1: health is when you are working, you're working at an energy that you feel is not an effort. So you're just radiating almost i think that's what health is it doesn't have to be that you're moving in the best way or you're feel like you're necessary it's, i don't know i suppose it's a, a contentment for me is, is is health um because i believe i believe that when you're have this element of contentment and you're more happy with your lot there's a sense of relief through the body i think it kind of floods whereas a lot of the anxiety that comes from living in the past living in the future or i'll be happy when i get that or or if only i didn't have that happen or all this kind of negativity i think it's for me health is when you allow yourself to be present and that shows and radiates i think what a lovely definition
0: yeah i agree with you and what about happiness what does zoe do to be happy make you happy oh gosh
1: uh, lots, lots of things. Uh, I love my family. They give me a lot of contentment, although they also drive me mad as well. <laughs> um, uh, music. I'm a huge fan of music, any kind, particularly, uh, 90s house though. I do, I do that. That kind of does cheer me along my way. But anything, I've, I think power, it's got, sorry, music has got such power to, to shift and change. And sometimes that can be listening to really trippy meditation music. Sometimes it can be African drumming, just something that, really reverberates through the body so yeah music music makes me very happy and the odd gin and tonic as well
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's always good medicine absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although these days of course i would have to uh yeah. a glass of red wine because the red past- wine red I wine yes good health benefits but uh whatever. <laughs> And what about serenity? You've talked a lot about the crazy lives we lead, and I think serenity mm. is a word that we sometimes forget, and it's so vitally important. Um, you spend your whole day doing yoga and all the practices. You probably don't need to search out moments for yourself, but if you do, how, how do you find that those moments of serenity? What practice? Um, probably when I can... Um
1: experience. So if I can, this would be my most serene moments, I would think would be in a sunset because I'm obsessed with sunsets. <laughs> so light, I think light is really important to me. And I, I look to it and it changes the way that I feel so much and, and can turn on my inner smile within a split second when I can see those pink skies. So it would be pink sky coming to the breath and, and the sound of the ocean. Those are all my kind of, if you want, like nuggets of how I would know that I'm feeling that serenity. But I do genuinely believe that sometimes we miss, they come in fleeting moments sometimes. And I think we miss them because we're not in the present moment. We're kind of not allowing ourselves to be anchored into that moment because we are thinking about, oh my God, what am I making for dinner? And what's the to do list? And when's it going to happen? And all these things. And the job promotion's not working. And my friends are all going out. And I'm not going. All this pressure. That I think to find that serenity is just to breathe, to close the eyes, to draw this sort of gaze inward, I think, a little bit and just stop and know how magic we really are and feel your, I don't know, feel your pulse. Just feel that pulsation of life going on inside of you that's passing. I think that can make you just go, wow, okay, wait a minute. So I think they're my moments of serenity when I stop and think about what's happening in our bodies
0: and how magic that really is. Great so that's it from my side let's just make sure that everyone knows where they can find you so we'll we'll put the link to your website on the bottom of the podcast notes but Amazing, thank you. that you're located in hackney mm-hmm. do you have any options at all for people to be able to work with you online or is it strictly only only in person watch this space okay. at the moment it is <laughs> okay <very clearly. laughs> it is um on um
1: yeah in the studio at the moment but no we we are working on something in the background so yes hopefully
0: quite soon <laughs> Great. Well, we'll definitely put all the links and you have to see Zoe's website because the images are just very, very cool. I love them. <laughs> they, they started my day off with a great chuckle the first time I saw them. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Zoe, so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you also Pleasure. very, very much. I deeply acknowledge the work that you're doing because I think it's extremely important um, bringing people back to to a place where they can not only enjoy their physical health but actually enjoy their spiritual health as well i think it's huge thanks so much for being with you. you thank you Well, dear listeners, that was this week's London Heal. I hope that you enjoyed um, my talking to Zoe and that you're now all inspired to grab out that pair of yoga pants and find a studio near you or preferably Zoe herself and go and experience the wonders of this ancient, ancient tradition. Thank you once again and hope that you'll tune in next week. Please follow us and rate us and review us. Very important. And also tell all of your friends. And don't forget to check us out over at Facebook, at London Heal, on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, most importantly, become part of our community by signing up to our list over at LondonHeal.com, where you'll be ahead of the pack and receive extra goodies that people who aren't London Heel insiders just don't get to see. So until next time, wishing you all health, happiness and serenity.